Atheists have proven physical reality cannot be proven to exist, empirically. Empiricism cannot be proven to be the only source of truth, otherwise the statement that empiricism is the only source of truth, would not be true. But of course it is not, it is a contradiction of terms. All empirical statements are refutable, contingent, probabilistic, relative and hypothetical and subject to refutation, modification and retraction. Atheism cannot be grounded in logic because logic is grounded in metaphysics. Logic is analytical, absolute, a priori, and does not support a materialist interpretation of reality. Atheists originally made the claim there is no God. This was a claim abandoned when they were advised negative proposition could not be defended. The revised definition was tantamount to demanding Christians to convince the atheist he is wrong, using his assumptions and to his satisfaction. But atheists tend to have a God complex. They do not think they need to prove or defend anything. Atheists have no faith in their own precepts. They refuse to acknowledge they adhere to any position on anything other than that Christians are wrong about everything. Yet in talking to them it is easy to discover atheists do believe in the perfectness of humans and their intrinsic divinity. Atheists also think humans can know truth, absolutely and without qualification. The only being that can do this is God. Atheism is a religion of self-deification. Man becomes God by his own hand. It appears to be a simple matter to deny there is a God or there is substantial evidence for God. We all deny the existence of Santa Claus and most of us deny the existence of aliens, yeti, and governments that are here to help. But atheists are in a much different situation and it is one of their own design. What does a person do if they claim there is no evidence for A, when the only other option is B and there is irrefutable proof that B does not exist? Were B to exist it still means we must accept that its existence is subjective and unverifiable. This however is not the worst of it because to accept B over A is to create a logical contradiction. But this is a dilemma atheists face. They can deny God, but they cannot provide a credible alternative. There is nothing in reality that can be substantiated. There is no possible route to establishing a physical reality exists without contradicting what one is attempting to establish. This dilemma is not hard to understand if we look closely at the situation. If the world was physical, then human beings are physical. If human beings are physical then their perception of reality can only be through channels provided by physical reality. These are specialized cells that can respond to stimuli and send signals through the nervous system. We always talk about the five senses when discussing how we perceive the world, but the bottleneck as it were when it comes to communications is the nervous system itself. Our nerves stand between our sensory organs and our brain. So regardless how specialized our sensory cells are, it is the nerves that carry the message they form, to the brain. But how does the brain know what chicken tastes like? It's not just a matter of transferring this knowledge or decision, to later generations, how is the flavor calibrated? Does the flavor that is chicken remain the same over a person's lifetime, or over generations? After all, for all we know, what we think is the taste of chicken used to be the taste of an extinct lizard. Does the taste of tomatoes taste like tomatoes tasted a year ago? Is the tomato taste a new kind of awareness just recently developed by a brain with no means of calibrating its reactions? One imagines a person who thought things were distant when they were close would not likely reproduce. But what is space exactly in terms of the mental phenomenon that we call the experience of spatial distance? 
But what if a person has his colors confused? How would we know? Would it make him less likely to produce offspring if his orange was the blue of others? Does this issue make sense when color is a purely mental event? Could not the brain see depth as a color and a color as a taste? Why can't we taste color and feel odors? How did the brain separate out the senses? Why is it only the eyes that could give us the experience of color? If the sense of color is a mental phenomenon, what sees what is in the brain? Why would the brain produce a sensation of it looking at its illusions? Once nature has created a thing that can reproduce why develop alternative methods? The energy spent in producing new ways to reproduce would appear to reduce the potential for reproduction. The species that had the greatest potential to reproduce would be the one which perfected the method already established. Once eggs had been established as a way to create replicas of a creature, what real benefit is there to establish a new route with all the transition needed to produce live births? It is nice to see all of the many, many kinds of life, but could not birds have diversified in more ways? Why bother creating mammals? Did all those intermediary forms really have an advantage over all the original breeding groups? The small changes in the environment would have had to be pretty constant to give variations any change of establishing itself as a viable alternative. Is any change that constant? The average would have the greatest potential for survival over the long term than any particular variation. These are issues with physical evolution, but that is all there is, according to atheism. If the world is composed of matter, energy, space and time, what is evil composed of, what is mind composed of, what is love and compassion composed of? These are not physical things. They cannot be observed. They did not come to us by means of our five senses. We might call this the wolf paradox. A wolf can kill a wolf, its cubs, a newborn deer, or anything else. It can pull an elk down and begin eating it alive. A pack of wolves can pull a man down and wreck at his clothes and flesh and not be evil. So why are things that men do considered evil? If men and apes are related why can men be evil but apes, not? Atheists claim men are animals. If so, we are composed solely of matter. Why do we think there is a difference in picking a flower and drowning a person? We have decided that human life has value. Other animals refrain from killing their own kind. Many animals cooperate with their own and even with other species. We can say this is natural. But this begs the question what we are claiming is natural. If we say there is no God and everything is composed of physical elements it is not sufficient to then claim existence itself is evidence the existence is natural. Did we fail to remember that correlation is not evidence for causation? Atheists must demonstrate that physical reality is able to generate non-physical phenomenon. Even information is a problem for the atheist's paradigm. We discussed about the problem with the brain correlating a mental phenomenon with a physical event. But there is nothing that ties the word tree with the physical tree. And the definition only complicates the matter many times over. The word tree is meaningless without all of the other words that tell us what it means. The development of language has nothing to do with the physical nature of reality. To bring in the issue of how we formulate the sounds, create writing and songs and so on only adds to the mystery. No doubt there are long and convoluted guesses at how language came about in a physical object called man but we will leave them be as irrelevant to the present discussion. The dilemma for the atheist or the one we are discussing is evil. 
language has relevance here because evil is first and foremost a word. But setting aside the issue of language we are still required to explain how the concept entered into existence in what for atheists is a morally neutral world. Evil is not an attribute of matter. We have mentioned that many animals refrain from harming their own kind, but this does not mean harming an individual of one's own species is viewed as evil. Unfortunately there is much confusion between what is evil and what is illegal, or forbidden. Animals do not kill their young because it is evil to do so. They lack the inclination to kill their young. To be evil it would need to be a possibility that must be prevented. We call abortion evil because it is doable and frequently done. But Christians call it evil. For atheists if it is legal, it is acceptable or ought to be. The problem they have is that even if they call mass murder evil and the state legalizes it, they have a hard time debating the issue. So it is with drugs, abortion, sexual reassignment surgery, female genital mutilation, FGM, state-assisted suicide and other issues. If the government legalizes it liberals can protest but it is difficult to mount a true moral argument for one or other side of the issue other than the one of freedom. Freedom may be the issue it is for liberals partly because it is the only way liberals can bring morality into the argument. But is freedom even a moral issue? If we lose freedom does that mean the causative factor is evil? Naturally there are times when freedom is legitimately eliminated. Criminals are routinely jailed and suspects are detained for questioning. Few parents have qualms about imposing rules and regulations on their children. Worse than this however is the concept of freedom itself. Our freedom can only extend so far. It is commonly said that your freedom ends where mine begins. We expect privacy and property rights. These are all barriers to the freedom of others. So, in fact freedom must be regulated. The idea of freedom is only meaningful as a legal right. It is not a first-order principle. Which is interesting because we can suppose that evil would conflict with the first-order principle. If there is evil there must be good but what is good to an atheist? More importantly if good and evil are absolutes these are alien concepts to naturalists, for there are no absolute goods in naturalism and if there is no absolute good, there is no absolute evil. If we are talking about relative ideas we are not discussing evil, we are talking legal precepts. Herein is the problem for atheism, because if there is a war between good and evil it is a war only on the side of good. Only Christians can embrace an absolute good and therefore, oppose an absolute evil. But it is important we do not deify this struggle and make it about God and Satan and not about us. Satan cannot oppose God directly nor can he change the course of history as God has laid it out. Satan can oppose us and he can oppose what we are doing or want done. The interesting thing is that atheists' opposition to God and their denial of the value of metaphysics is precisely what defines them as evil. The elements of the atheist position is precisely what Christians must oppose. We have remarked that atheists cannot conceive of absolutes as their values are all relative. Therefore in their reality there is no true conception of evil. For atheists evil is what seems in their eyes repugnant. But it could be acceptable in the eyes of someone else. There is no objective way to determine who is right or wrong. Ultimately, the atheists worldview is grounded in force. What is evil is what is not consistent with the rule of the head of state. The state creates laws to regulate the state. The law defines what is evil in terms of what the state is intolerant of. 
In the end the idea of evil is moot if the state lacks the power to oppose it. A group might be considered evil but if they gain sufficient support, they become the new government and the supporters of the old government become the new manifestation of evil. This is not to say evil is what the state says it is. But we have to understand evil in the eyes of Babylon to better understand its true nature and the nature of the war we are in. By rejecting God man does not eliminate evil he modifies how it is viewed. By rejecting God atheists relativize evil. Evil becomes an extreme on one end of an infinitely long continuum. But in the reality of an atheist, we are all on the same continuum and all things are only relatively good with some portion of evil. It is this very thing the Christian is required to fight against. It is the relativization of evil that epitomizes evil. We are to do good but how can we do good if all good is tinged with evil? The question for Christians is how do we escape this relativization of evil? To be clear, we cannot fight evil with evil. We cannot combat evil with the methods used by Babylon, this pertains especially to violence. The key feature of Babylon is state-sponsored violence justified by the law. The war against evil is not a physical war fought using physical means. But we have not established what evil is from a biblical standpoint, through we have confirmed that it is not about Satan vying with God for his throne. Evil is far more prosaic than that. But we have discovered that it is Satan that defines evil. We have established that because atheists deny God they are condemned to link evil with the loss of power. The epitome of evil on earth is the state. The state wields power, but it cannot do so without property. The state legitimizes its use of power by means of the law. The power of the state and its control over the regulatory apparatus of the state gives it access to property. By this means it legitimizes its power by means of its ability to wield power. Power justifies itself. What this tells us is that power cannot pay its own costs. It is this externalization of costs that is the real measure of evil. One major manifestation of evil and a simple way to track it is inflation. Inflation is a product of the externalization of costs and a clear indicator of evil. The war against evil is a war against the expropriation of wealth by the state from those who created the wealth. It's really a simple matter. One person adds value. The state or an agent of the state seeks to expropriate some or all of this value. That is evil, this is what must be fought against. Evil is expropriation or if you like, theft of what does not belong to you. This might come in many guises, but the structure is the same. We own what we create. No one has a right to this. The state and its agents do not have the means to sustain themselves. They exist as parasites. This is the key aspect of power. It is the use of power to extract property for illicit and illegitimate use. There is no, we the people. There are sustainable persons and there are evil persons who in one way or another sustain themselves off the labor of others. The tactic of one group is to maintain this myth of being in this together and all being one people. The Christian's fight is to maintain their distance and separation from these corrupt and decadent persons. We have nothing in common with them. They are evil and corrupted and exist only to defraud us of the property we create. We have a right to what we create and no one has a right to expropriate what belongs to us. The dilemma of the atheist is how to justify their actions. They have to call us evil because they cannot justify what they do, without delegitimizing what we do. So they will claim we are all one race, we are all one people, 
we are all in this together and claim diversity is our strength. Meanwhile they live only to deprive us of what we produced while having nothing to give us.